we got a big problem. How may I, in all humble servitude, be of assistance? Great googly moogly. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, I realized we haven't talked about movies in a while, so I wanted to bring back one of my favorite topics, movies. Over the past weekend, one of my favorite disaster movies came up, and of course I had to watch it. And I realized there's a whole subgenre of movies, the disaster film, that I just love. I love all of those disaster films where it's just over-the-top craziness, huge casts, natural disasters all over the place, people dying left and right, you never know who's going to make it to the end of the movie. Those are always bubblegum for the mind for me, but I love watching them. And so I got to thinking about it, and I realized there's a whole lot of disaster movies out there. And just like any genre, there's a whole lot of disaster movie tropes as well. So I figured today I'd talk about one of my favorite genres, the disaster movie. I'd share some of the tropes, and I'd also give you a list of some of my favorites. As I was preparing the episode, though, I did some research on all of the disaster movies, and I realized there's a lot of subgenres of disaster movies. So I'm going to break those down a little for you as well. Because I think my take on disaster movies is a little different from the overall take. The lists of disaster movies that I saw included things that I don't necessarily include as disaster movies. But let me explain. Now to do that, I'm going to do something a little different this episode than I usually do with my movie episodes. I'm going to give you my disaster movie tropes first, and then the list of movies after. So you can see where my framing comes from. And long-time listeners know what I mean by a movie trope. A movie trope is that thing that you find in a movie that's overused or that you find in every movie of that genre. My favorite example is the parking spot that's always in front of the building. Whenever the hero drives up, there's always a parking spot there. Never has to go around the block. Never has to go in the parking garage. Just pull to the curb. Boom, there's your parking spot. And oh yeah, there's no meter either. Heroes never have to feed the meter. So when I talk about tropes, that's what I'm talking about. The perpetual parking spot. The gun that never runs out of bullets. The being hit over the head with a 2x4 and just bouncing back up like you were hit with a Nerf ball. Those are tropes. And as you might expect, disaster movies have them too. One of the first things that I noticed about disaster movies is they always have a huge all-star cast. For whatever reason, the stars love to be in these disaster movies. And in a couple of minutes, I'm going to go back to what I consider the beginning of the disaster movies to give you some of the titles and some of the casts. But you'll see in any disaster movie, you've got big stars. Gene Hackman, Ernest Borgnine, Leslie Nielsen, Shelley Winters, Paul Newman, Faye Dunaway. Those are the older movies. You got Charlton Heston back then. More recently, you've got Ben Affleck, Bruce Willis, Steve Buscemi, Owen Wilson all in one movie. You've got Dustin Hoffman, Rene Russo, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Spacey, Cuba Gooding, all in one movie. That's what I mean about huge all-star casts. Every time you turn around, there's another big star. The second trope is, any one of them can die. You never know who's going to make it to the end of a disaster movie. They could die in the first reel. You never know. That's the beauty of a disaster movie. That's what makes it real. Or real-ish. I mean, it's a movie. Another trope? About half of the characters are trying to solve the problem and the other half simply trying to survive. Whatever the disaster is, some of our stars know how to fix it, and some of our stars are just trying to get through it. Now, for me, one of the most important tropes of a disaster movie is it's a natural disaster. An earthquake, a fire, a tidal wave, maybe a meteor hurtling through space. The Earth's core is suddenly unstable. 
climate change has affected everything. Whatever, there's something natural going on. For me, the disaster film doesn't involve something man-made. It doesn't involve monsters or something extraterrestrial, although others consider those disaster movies. And I'll talk about some of those movies in a minute. But for me, the disaster movie has to be a natural disaster. Okay, a fire can be man-made, I get that. But the fire itself is the natural part of the disaster. Another important disaster movie trope, there will always be at least one guy or one girl or one intrepid group of scientists who know about the disaster or the problem. They know what the solution is or may be, and they have a plan, but no one will listen to them. I know this natural disaster is coming. (laughs) You're just a scientist, what do you know? Happens in every movie. To go along with the guy or girl who knows everything, there will be a naysayer. The naysayer will say, pay no attention to those scientists, they don't know nothing. And of course, the naysayer will die, and they'll die because of the natural disaster. That's payback for the villain. That's what's important. You gotta do that. Another important trope, the heroic dog. Now, it's not in every one. You don't find the heroic dog in every disaster picture. But there's quite often a heroic dog, and we want to make sure the dog survives. We can kill off our guest stars, but make sure that dog survives. Another trope, movie logic applies. I've talked about movie logic. I've talked about game logic. What that is, is physics, time-space issues, gravity. They don't have any place in these movies. If physics, or gravity, or common sense, or logic is going to screw up the solution, they don't apply. Unless, of course, the disaster cannot be averted by any means. Everybody's done everything they can do. The comet is hurtling to the planet. We've tried to stop it and we can't. Then we just have to live with it. But in other cases where lava is flowing down a street, it suddenly stops. Water is suddenly rising. It suddenly stops. A building is ready to collapse. It suddenly stops. Why? Well, because we're in a disaster movie. That's why. Another important trope from the disaster movies? Landmarks will be destroyed. We have to show that this is a huge disaster. One way or another, major landmarks are going to blow up, collapse, be flooded, or just disappear. The White House is going down. The Hoover Dam is collapsing. The Eiffel Tower topples over. The ceiling of the Sistine Chapel collapses. You know you're in a good disaster movie when these things are happening. That's how we know it's serious. Finally, one of the most important tropes of all. And there may be two or three of these occurring in a movie. Some sort of tortured family or romantic relationship has to be worked out during the crisis. Never mind that we've had months or years to work these things out. The fact of impending doom suddenly makes everybody able to resolve their differences. Whether it's a father-daughter, mother-son, father-son kind of thing. Whether it's a husband and a wife who've been fighting. Or exes who need to reconcile. This disaster brings everybody together. And by the way, if one of the exes is involved with somebody else, the natural disaster will conveniently kill off the new love interest. Sorry, but now you can reconcile with your ex. If you haven't included that in your disaster movie, then you haven't done it right. Because everybody knows natural disasters cure everything. So those are the tropes that I've observed in my favorite disaster movies and some of the disaster movies that I don't like, but they're still in there anyway. But those are the tropes that are in a lot of the movies I'm about to talk about. And if you haven't seen them, you should go watch them. And keep a checklist. See how many of them are actually there. Believe me, they're there. Now, as for the disaster movies themselves, the disaster movies as we know them today, 
started in the 70s. That's when we had these big blockbuster disaster movies with the all-star casts, huge, horrible things happening to the cast of characters. Now, I never saw any of these in the theater. I had to wait for them to come to TV. I was too little to go to the movies to see these things. But I have seen them on video, on network TV, on streaming services. They're all available. So you can check them out if you want to see how the disaster movies started. And this is what whet my appetite for disaster movies. I loved them. The first one I remember seeing is The Towering Inferno. Irwin Allen was the big director at the time. He did these disaster movies. He was a TV director early on in the 60s. He started making movies in the 70s. And he loved making these disaster movies. The first one he made was actually The Poseidon Adventure, which I'll talk about in a second. But I'm going with the first one that I remember seeing, which was The Towering Inferno. It had the obligatory big cast, huge stars, Steve McQueen, Paul Newman, William Holden, Fred Astaire, Even O.J. Simpson is in that movie, you know, when he was still a football player and trying to be an actor. Yeah, there was a time that was happening. But that involved a fire and a huge skyscraper. Steve McQueen, the intrepid fireman, trying to solve the problem. Fred Astaire, one of the tenants in the building. Paul Newman, the property manager. And they had to put out a fire in a high-rise, which was very hard to do back in the 70s. Now, I consider this a disaster movie, even though the fire, which is natural, was caused by a man-made source. A fire like that, to me, is the perfect star of a disaster movie. And that's why I love The Towering Inferno so much. The movie just does a great job at making the fire the villain. I mean, that's what it is. It's the villain. And everybody's trying to beat the villain. But yeah, The Towering Inferno was just mind-boggling to me. All these stars, all of this stuff going on. When I was a kid, I loved this movie. And for me, it was one of the quintessential disaster movies for many years. The other one, which actually came out two years before The Towering Inferno, also made by Irwin Allen, is The Poseidon Adventure. Now, that's been remade a couple of times since then, but the original one came out in 1972. And again, huge all-star cast. Gene Hackman, Stella Stevens, Ernest Borgnine. You had Leslie Nielsen and Shelley Winters in there. You had Red Buttons in there. These were all big names at the time. Everybody recognized these stars. And this is a movie that establishes the trope, you never know who's going to survive. Spoiler alert here, Leslie Nielsen dies in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Gene Hackman, Shelley Winters, they don't make it. And they're big name stars who don't make it to the end of the movie. Now you have to remember, when I was a kid, this didn't happen. Stars survived. They made it to the end. Not in the Poseidon Adventure. The other big disaster movie from the 70s, Earthquake. Again, big stars, Charlton Heston, Ava Gardner, George Kennedy, Richard Roundtree, Jean-Vives Boujol. I've only seen this one a couple of times, years ago. It never captured my fancy, like The Poseidon Adventure or The Towering Inferno. But all three of these movies came out in the early 70s, and they really set the tone for disaster movies after that. Now, for a while there, in the 70s and the 80s, there was kind of a lull in the disaster movies. I mean, they had a whole series of airport movies, which I've talked about in the past. The original airport was based on a book by Alex Haley. And again, it had a huge cast of characters and you never knew who was going to survive. They had airport, the original one. They had airport 75, airport 77, airport 79, each one a different disaster involving an airplane. But to me, those were never truly disaster movies because it's an airplane. Stuff happens on airplanes. It's not a big fire in a high rise. It's not an earthquake. It's not a tidal wave knocking over a ship. It's an airplane. I know some people consider the airport movies disaster movies, and I mean, they are, kinda. 
but they don't involve the stakes that the towering inferno or earthquake do. To me, it's a different kind of movie, so I don't consider those true disaster movies. Now, back in the 90s, they actually released two disaster movies involving comets. Armageddon and Deep Impact both came out in 1998. And I guess you can consider them natural disaster movies because it's a comet hurtling from space, ready to smash the Earth. That would be bad. Again, all-star casts in each of them, family issues in each of them, heroic people trying to solve problems, naysayers denying the problems exist. It's all there. I've watched Armageddon more than Deep Impact. It's more upbeat. I don't want to give you too many spoilers. I know I spoiled Poseidon Adventure already. I'm sorry. But I don't want to spoil either of these movies in case you do want to watch them. They actually move along pretty well. They're still pretty watchable, even though Ben Affleck is in Armageddon and you know how I feel about Ben Affleck. The rest of the cast kind of offsets him for me. Deep Impact has more of a downer of an ending. But again, it's worth watching if you like asteroid natural disasters. I guess the problem that I have with those two movies is they're inevitable. You can't do anything. Because let's face it, if there's an asteroid bearing down on the Earth, assuming they tell us it's coming, there's not much we're going to be able to do to stop it. So I prefer not to think about it. I like to live in my blissful ignorance on that topic. There's also a whole bunch of movies involving disease. And I guess disease movies qualify as natural disasters. It's just trying to watch a disease movie. It's not really action-packed. I kind of prefer my disaster movies to have a lot of action. I mean, there's drama in trying to solve a disease case, but it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same as fighting a fire in a high-rise, or trying to find your way out of a capsized ship, or trying to survive an earthquake. But there are still some good disease movies out there. I mean, the first one goes back to the 70s, The Andromeda Strain. That's really a natural disaster involving an extraterrestrial disease that's brought back by astronauts. But you've got other ones as well. You've got Outbreak from the 90s, Contagion and Quarantine, both from the 2000s, all with big casts, all with big stars. I mean, in Contagion, spoiler alert, Gwyneth Paltrow dies off real early. Talk about your all-star cast never knowing who's going to survive. You're killing off Gwyneth Paltrow early in the movie. Yeah, you hit the trope right on the head there. I also have to include the TV miniseries The Stand from the 90s. The original Stand miniseries on TV really closely tracked the disease in Stephen King's book and really did a good job with the survivor aspect of a disease that wipes out most of the population. So if you're looking for kind of a slow-boil disaster-type movie and you have time to watch a whole miniseries as opposed to a two-hour movie, The Stand is definitely worth it. There's a whole series of disaster movies that involve what I call other natural things. Twister is a good disaster movie. The Perfect Storm is actually based on a true story. Again, both of those movies have the huge casts. In the case of The Perfect Storm, you actually know how it comes out, so you know who's going to die. And if you don't know the true story, go watch the movie. You've got The Mist. That's another disaster movie with what I call other natural things. The problem with The Mist, it's a very, very slow boil. Not a really great upbeat ending. Spoiler alert, I know, I'm sorry. I mean, the movie is 15 years old. If you haven't watched it by now, well, I didn't give too much away. But it's technically a disaster movie, just not action-packed. There are a few action-packed volcano disaster movies. I know, hard to believe, right? A volcano disaster movie? What better natural disaster is there than a volcano? I mean, going back to the 70s, one of the first disaster movies that I actually never saw was Krakatoa, East of Java. It was about a volcano eruption back in the 1800s. To this day, I still haven't seen it, but I sure do remember them advertising it. 
But more recently, they had Volcano, which is, of course, about a volcano. And that came out the same year as Dante's Peak, also about a volcano. This is where they defy the laws of time, physics, and common sense with the lava. But, you know, it's fun. And that's why you watch them. It's for the fun. Then there was one a few years later about the core, which isn't technically a volcano movie, but it's about having to restart the core of the Earth. Don't ask, just watch the movie. Again, logic, common sense, they don't always apply. There's a whole other subgenre of disaster movies. For me, these don't fall into the category of disaster movies, but if you go look up top 50 disaster movies, a lot of these titles are going to appear. So I want to mention them just in case you want to check, because maybe you think critter movies are disaster movies. Now, the critters are usually unnamed critters or unknown critters. Although, if you think about it, The Birds, an Alfred Hitchcock movie from the 60s, is a natural disaster movie where the birds go crazy and start attacking people. But then you've got other critters like Tremors. Again, a big name cast, lots of people. Kevin Bacon, Reba McIntyre, Fred Ward. They're all in the original Tremors. But Tremors is a natural disaster movie if you accept the premise of critters being natural disaster makers, I guess. You can even consider Reign of Fire a natural disaster movie. Okay, it involves dragons. But you know, it ticks all of the right boxes. If you look at Reign of Fire, and if you haven't seen it, it's worth watching. Christian Bale, Matthew McConaughey, Gerard Butler, they're all in that one. Big name cast. Never know who's going to survive. You could look at any of the Godzilla movies as disaster movies. As long as you accept the fact that Godzilla is a natural disaster type creature, I suppose. I mean, I'm not a big Godzilla fan as a natural disaster. Godzilla's a great monster movie, but to me, there's a difference between a monster movie and a natural disaster movie. But the Godzilla movies could arguably fall into the disaster flick, if you really want to stretch your definition. And as long as we're talking about stretching your definition of disaster movies, can we consider zombie movies natural disaster movies? I mean, are they disease movies? I mean, if you go back to the 60s and you think of Night of the Living Dead, a comet passes by and makes dead people turn into zombies. Is that a natural disaster? I mean, the comet is natural, right? Now, granted, Night of the Living Dead doesn't have a big-name cast, but it does tick a lot of the other boxes, right? And then, of course, the sequels, Dawn of the Dead. There's a few names in that cast there. Ving Rhames, Ty Burrell. I guess you have to accept that zombification is a natural phenomenon, at least if you're going to go with my definition of a natural disaster movie. And I guess you could talk about World War Z as being a disaster movie. Me, personally, I put the zombie movies as a separate genre. Those are more either science fiction or monster movies. I don't consider them natural disaster movies, but they do pop up on natural disaster lists, so I had to mention them. There's also a subcategory of what I call the post-apocalyptic disaster movies. Now, I don't necessarily consider these disaster movies because in a post-apocalyptic movie, the disaster has already happened. So we're really just watching what's happening after the disaster. For me, the disaster movie includes the disaster. I'm not so worried about what's happening after. I want to see what's happening during the disaster. But you can make an argument that the Mad Max movies are natural disaster movies. They're mostly post-apocalyptic, but the argument is there. Same with The Book of Eli. That was another good movie. Big cast. Natural disaster wipes out humankind. You know what? You could make the argument that WALL-E, the Disney movie, that could be argued to be a natural disaster movie post-apocalyptic, but I think the argument is there. You could go back to the 70s again. Soylent Green, another quasi-post-apocalyptic movie made in the 70s, set in 2022, after climate change has ravaged the world. 
We're looking at what the survivors are doing after climate change has changed the world drastically. I mean, it fits the definition to a point. There's also the subgenre of alien movies. I mean, I don't think alien movies, for me, qualify as natural disasters. But you can make the argument that Independence Day, Signs, War of the Worlds, Cloverfield, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you can make the argument that those all involve natural disasters, at least in one form or another. Now, for me personally, those are more science fiction movies than natural disaster movies, but the argument is there, especially with Independence Day. I mean, talk about blowing up landmarks. Independence Day wipes out everything. So those are the categories of movies. For me, the original three that I mentioned, The Poseidon Adventure, The Towering Inferno, Earthquake, those are the granddaddies of them all as far as disaster movies are concerned. But I have three that are my all-time favorite disaster movies, all relatively recent and all really good disaster movies because they tick all of the boxes. You really love watching them. And as long as you can suspend your disbelief, they're an exciting, fun, interesting ride. I love The Day After Tomorrow. That's the one with Dennis Quaid, Emmy Rossum, Celia Ward. That's where the Earth is freezing over in a new ice age. I don't want to spoil anything for you in case you haven't seen it, but I highly recommend it as a great disaster movie. In so many ways, it's totally unbelievable. And yet in so many ways, it's so much fun to watch. So yeah, The Day After Tomorrow, one of my favorites. San Andreas, another one of my favorites. You've got Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Carla Gugino, Alexandra Daddario. You got some great people in that movie. You got some great special effects. You got some totally unbelievable things happening. You never know who's going to live. You never know who's going to die. You have the family dynamic being resolved by the disaster. Oh, it's so much bubblegum for the mind. And I so love that movie. Every time it's on, I watch it. I love that movie. What can I say? But my number one favorite disaster movie of all time is still 2012. I love that movie, even though it is so unbelievable. It makes so little sense, and yet it is so perfect. The cast from John Cusack, Woody Harrelson, Amanda Peet, Fandy Newton, Danny Glover, the family dynamic, the special effects, the scientists striving to solve things, some of the politicians believing, some not. There's the rich-poor dynamic. There's the haves and have-nots dynamic. There's everybody trying to escape this horrible, impending disaster that nobody can stop. And it goes on for over two hours. There's so much action, so many great scenes, so much fun in that movie. If you're going to watch one disaster movie, I highly recommend 2012. Here's what you do. You set two hours aside. You make sure you don't have any interruptions because you don't want to miss a minute of this. Sit back with a big bowl of popcorn, pop 2012 on your DVR or on your laptop or on your tablet, and just sit back and enjoy. You will not be sorry. So now you've got a list of movies to go through in the long winter months ahead of us. If nothing else, this will give you something to do every weekend. Pull out one of these disaster movies. It will definitely distract you from what's going on outside. If you're holed up for the winter, you need to fill your afternoons with something. Disaster movies, that's the way to go. In these days of the pandemic, maybe you want to avoid outbreak or contagion or quarantine or the stand. There's a lot of similarities between Captain Trips and what we're going through these days. But aside from those, you might want to take a look at the other disaster movies. They should take your mind off of things. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for being here. As always, I can't thank you enough for your support and for all the time you spend here. 
Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.